BDSM family and community. I'm Andrea Morales, your host for this season. I would like to welcome our first episode for the fall 2021. This podcast is a project we have created for our student population. At the root focus is to create a safe haven for underrepresented students on our campus, as well as unapologetically talk about social justice issues in our PLC communities. We focus on healing, uplifting, unifying, and educating communities impacted by the socio-political climate. And our goal is to become a resource to our community, transform, and educate lives. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Andrea Morales, uh, your host, as I mentioned before. I'm really excited that we are finally back and um, we're opening back this season or season number two with such an amazing episode and a special episode as well. This episode is called Don't Be Sorry, Reclaim Your Sexual Story. And the fact that we're doing this episode is because the reason I mean we're doing this episode is because we're celebrating October 11 uh, or coming out day and we're dedicating this episode to our amazing and lovely LGBTQI plus community out there. So um, let's just begin with our segments for today. Our seat for today is to talk about reclaiming your sexuality and to not be sorry about being yourself. This segment, this seat, is a special dedication to our LGBTQIA plus community. And I'd like to start giving you all a background of what sexual orientation is and the different names and meanings of the LGBTQIA plus community. Let's just start with sexual orientation. Uh, your sexual orientation describes who you are attracted to. Some people may know what their sexual orientation is, while others may still be figuring it out, which is completely okay. Both are completely okay. There are many labels out there that can describe who you are attracted to romantically and sexually. And your sexual orientation, let me tell you, your sexual orientation is just a small bit of who you are. Your sexual orientation can change over time, which is completely okay, or it can stay the same throughout your entire life. It is important to always remember that your sexual orientation is not, in capital letters, not a choice, and it cannot be changed by any form of therapy or treatment. You can also, you also cannot force anyone to be gay. Your sexual orientation can be simple just as well as it can be complicated. Uh, and it can take several years to understand and come to terms with your sexuality and your sexual orientation or to come out. This was a very productive, um, informative segment. <laughs> I really hope that this information help you uh, understand the meaning on how important it is to know these different labels of our LGBTQIA plus community. And um, just so you all know, we have created and we started working on uh, creating more public documents for you with uh, the rest of the information that we have for, for you for every single episode that we make for this podcast. And um, 
on that public document, we also have the links to the resources where or the sources where we got the information from. And uh, you can easily find that by clicking on the link on our Instagram bio, and it will take you directly to the first link that we have on the list of our link tree. And um, I really hope that that document helps you understand better every single meaning of the LGBTQI plus community and um, to educate yourself even more on the topic. With that being said, I would like to continue with our second segment for today, which is the Sprout. So let's just start this segment by celebrating our National Coming Out Day, which happens on October 11th. National Coming Out Day has been observed annually on October 11th for more than three decades. The first such celebration was held in 1988 on the first anniversary of the 1987 March on Washington for Gay and Lesbian Rights which was reported to have drowned 200,000 protesters to the nation's capital. I would like to give a huge shout out to our brave folks out there who decided to go out of their comfort zone. I'm so proud of all of you for making such a fearless decision. I hope you keep living, you keep living your life by being yourself and passionate about focusing on yourself and your own happiness. And I just want you all to remember that it is never, it's never too late nor too early to be yourself and just enjoy who you are. Welcome to our torn segment. Let's just all begin with some of the recent news that have happened and start discussing how that makes us feel and what we can do to help and create change in our community. So on our recent news with many schools opening back to students, LGBTQIA plus pride symbols are starting to become a new dispute across the country. Pride flags were created to promote unity and show your support or that you are an ally with the LGBTQIA plus community. But now some schools across the country are starting to see, to see them as divisive and too political. And this is an issue that it's also happening and happen in our community here at San Mateo, California. A school board in Oregon, um, at San Mateo and California. Uh, something that happened in a school board in Oregon uh, is that they banned educators from displaying their pride flags across the classroom. A member from that classroom uh, stated in quotes, we don't pay our teachers to push their political views on their students and it is not their place. Another teacher in Missouri resigned because he was told to remove all his rainbow flags from his classrooms. Many schools administrators have claimed that LGBTQIA plus emblems are too divisive and too political. At a school in Texas, rainbow stickers were immediately ordered to be scrapped off from classroom doors. A student from Irvine, Texas named Victor Frausto claimed that in quotes, feeling safe, should not be political. And he also stated, in quotes for me, when a teacher put up that speaker, it basically conveyed the message that when you come in here, you will not be hated for who you love or what your identity is. And uh, he also stated that by seeing those speakers removed, you you them, uh, got the message that the message that they don't fit 
there. Like they don't fit in there, right? And uh, they shouldn't be in there. And similarly, this happened in North District this year uh, with the San Mateo Unified High School District. One trustee said that they were in favor of flying the pride flag to show the diversity of the school community. While the board vice president said they didn't want to go down the load of flying flags all the time and it, in that it makes our lives too complicated. They ended up leaving the flags on classrooms and doors and um, just leaving them, uh, giving their professors, teachers and students the right to just have them on um, so they could feel that they do have a place where they do belong and they were to get the where they can feel that, that they can be themselves by feeling safe. Um, but this happened and somehow it sounds upsetting. Uh, and um, I today I have a special person with me that I'm interviewing. Her name is Sani Montanes. Um, I'm just gonna ask her to answer some questions and to just let me know what she thinks about this issue, right? It's not only happening here in our district, but in the rest of the country. So, uh, Danny, after hearing these events, how does that make you feel? And what will you do to change that? Hey, uh, it upsets me a, a bit to know that it's happening here in, in our backyard, pretty much. Um, like the the person you uh, you quoted said that it give, it makes you feel like you belong when you like walk into a classroom and, and see that and and I totally agree with that because I mean growing up I never never was able to see rainbow flags um, just you know out in any teachers or professors classroom so like um, growing up as a person. Uh, um, from the LGBT community, it always made me feel like um, maybe I don't belong in a school setting or maybe there's no jobs for me in the school setting because, um, you know, if there are anybody like me here, they're kind of invisible. Wow, yeah. And um, I said this in the description of what happened and there's been a lot of talk about pride flags being too political for classrooms. What would you say about this? Do you think it is too political? I don't think it's too political at all. I mean, like I've grown up and seen like teachers pictures with their in straight relationships, um, you know, with their families and all of that. And there's nothing political about that. You know, it's just showing that they are human too. These um, educators, they're human. They they have real life experiences like you and I, and to know that they are um, representing a you know a certain community can really help um, people who are part of those communities feel accepted and welcomed, and and show them that there is a place here for them. There is a place in this world. There's a job, you know, that they can look forward to. You know, this isn't this isn't the fifties or sixties anymore. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I, I could have not said that better, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you're right. And I agree. Uh, it is not political at all. It is not too political and not political. I think this is something that um, should be there. And 
it has a purpose and it has a reason, right? And its purpose is to make people feel safe in this environment, right? And then that when see when they see that flag, when they see those stickers, they see that they there's something that tells them that it is their community, right? And that their community has their backs and that they have some people that support them, right? Um, no matter what. So I think it is, I, I agree, it is not political at all. And um, it should be there because it has a purpose, right? Uh, so thank you so much, Danny, for, for helping us out for, um, with this segment. We love uh, having you here. And um, I think we're just gonna keep going with the podcast or this episode. Okay, let's just start off our stigma segment for today, for this episode. We have amazing special guests today, three people, um, Danny Montañez, Val, and Basilio Serrano, who um, agreed and are happy to be interviewed and um, also like agreed to share their experiences on how they came out. Just giving you all a heads up again, this is um, a very honest and open conversation with uh, details on their experiences. So if some of the things are the answers or whatever that happens in the conversation sounds triggering. Um, we don't mean to offend anyone. We're just trying to be honest and, and um, share how everyone experiences their, their coming out story uh, in a different way. So let's just start off this segment. First off, I want to thank you all for for opening up and going on into a difficult conversation with me. I know that, as I said, some of the questions might be too personal, but it's okay if you don't wanna respond them as well. Um, I also wanna thank you for being vulnerable as well, right? Because personally, I love to hear what we all have to say. And it's amazing to get to hear about the different experiences that you both have. So I'm gonna start with the first question and I'm gonna ask you two to introduce yourselves and um, just to share what are your majors, what are you studying, what's your role on campus, uh, anything that you feel comfortable sharing with our audience of, of who you are. Uh, who would like to start? I can start since I'm going to have less time with you guys. So hello everyone, uh, my name is Basilio Rico Serrano, but I go by Chilo. Uh, I've been attending CSM for three years now. I have changed my major seven times at most. Right now I'm majoring in architecture and I'm taking a program at its Palo Alto about building maintenance. And yeah, that's me. Thanks, Chilo. Thank you so much for taking the time of being here. I know you're at work. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's okay. I really appreciate you. You really wanting to be here and wanting to be interviewing. Um, actually just just having people listen to your experience right so i'm just gonna give it up to both um do you want to introduce yourself hi everyone uh, my name is Telavo omavai i go by vo for short uh, i am a gay samoan pacific islander born and raised in the small american territory of american samoa and i me and my family we migrated here in the year 2007 so we've been in the mainland u.s since then um, major and study. I'm currently majoring in political science, uh, intending to transfer in the fall of 2022. And role on campus, I currently serve as the president of the uh, Mana Learning Community and the student organization of uh, Wakatasi and Five Omadlia. So um, those are 
only had to have on campus aside from uh, work study, doing um, supplemental instruction, being an SI and a mentor. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me, everyone. I'm just gonna give it off to you, Danny. Hi, Andrea, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Danny Montañez. Uh, I use pronouns she, he, they. I'm a psych major at Esper State, and I'm also the temporary retention specialist here at Spark Point at CSM. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm really like trying to pursue this year is getting to know more more students who are are advocating for for the rest of our student community, right? And um, just just trying to get to know each other and 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 build more community within ourselves, right? And, and just grow together. And that's why I'm happy to have you here and finally meet you for the first time. Um, so I'm going to start with the second question. Any of you can just start off this question. Do you guys uh, think that people find the concept of coming out day problematic? Like, is this an issue? Is this holiday? Do you feel like this holiday is something that feels forced for people? I do think some people find it problematic just because of the fact that, like, do straight people come out? Like, do straight people have to be like, hey, yo, by the way, family, I'm straight, you know, like, they don't have to make, like, a, a showcase or anything out of it, you know? Um, I look forward to the day where something, where coming out day won't be necessary, and, you know, just being part of the community is just normal, you know, whether you are or you aren't. Um, I don't think it's so much of an issue right now. Um it is kind of becoming one though. Uh, I think right now we're still at the point where um, other people need to see that there are people like them out and proud um, and that they have community. It really depends on, I mean, your background or your and your family and how receptive they are and how open-minded they may be to the concept of their child being gay, lesbian, um, transgender, um, anything within the spectrum of the LGBTQIA family. Um, but I would say me personally and my like circle of friends and my own family, it's not problematic. I think it's great that there's a day that's celebrated that's just dedicated to celebrating people that um, have come out or find the courage to come out at that time. Um, because although it's still like a very taboo topic and Honestly, like for us here and, and many other people that are understanding of it and open and have friends that are part of the, uh, the LGBTQIA community, always question like, why is there even a day that there needs to be a day of, of us coming out? Like, what's the point? Like, you don't need to come out as a straight person. I mean, yes, I understand that, um, but I think it's great to dedicate a day to celebrate um, the strength that it takes for these people to come out because it's not easy, uh, especially with the way society, um, with way society is and, they, uh, and the challenges that we face, simply just trying to be our authentic selves and being shunned from being that. So yeah, I don't think it's problematic. Um, I love it. I think it was, I had partaken in coming out day back in 2019 when I had posted and made it public to the world on my social media platforms and and everywhere that I uh, was a gay man. So uh, it felt 
amazing, but we'll go more into that. And I think one of the other questions asks when we came out and how that felt. So, but yeah. Answering to your question, I think uh, that the date, October 11th, I think you said, it's really important because we're, um, with that day, uh, we're trying to send a message to everyone, to those who are out of the closet or to those who are inside of the closet who hasn't come out yet, to tell them just like, you know what, it's fine to be gay, it's fine to be trans, it's fine to be lesbian. It's fine to be part of the LGBTQ plus community. You are fine, you're not alone. So I think it's important uh, to have that day so we can just help those people. Uh, we can help uh, and just like, let them know like you are part of something, you know? Like, because it's just like you say, straight people uh, think that, oh, why don't we have a day for straight people? Like the straight people day, you know what? All days are straight people days, all days. So what's the problem with having just one day for our community where we can represent ourselves and say to us, you know what, we're fine. It's fine to be gay. I'm fine with it. You can have all the rest of the year if you want. Just let me have October 11 to celebrate my identity and celebrate with those who are in the same position as me, you know? I amplify everything that Basilio just said. Um, my personal views, like I said, on coming out day, I love it. I will continue to celebrate it. And um, it's a day that we can not only celebrate the people that had, that were fearless and have the courage to come out, but also um, encourage those um, that may not necessarily have or are not ready to, and, and kind of um, not only encourage them to come out, but more importantly, to encourage them to come out when they're ready. They don't necessarily have to feel like they have to come out on this day. They have that only day to come out in the whole 364 other days, um, or 351, uh, 60. How many days are in a year? <laughs> 352, right? I think, I think it's 365. 365, yeah. Okay, they have the, I, I don't want them to feel like they can't come out on the other 364 days of the year. Yeah. You for the, the quick follow-up there but yeah um and then also uh what basilio was saying straight people kind of feeling left out like really you guys have the whole year or every other day um, and also we will for sure always claim october 11th as national community and we will also always claim uh the month of june for being pride month like those are really the only two times out of the whole year that we feel like we can be our true selves and we're celebrated for that. Um, although there's always conversations around tokenisms and companies kind of trying to take take that opportunity to kind of make more money, which is ridiculous if you ask me, but um, in it itself, uh, October 11th and the month of June are very, I think, important days um, for our community that if people feel that they need their own month, go right ahead and do your own month. But um, we have those dedicated days for us. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Wow. That's really powerful. Yeah. I agree. I'm really happy you said that. And um, you're, you're right, Bo. Like, you're not forced to actually come out only on this day, right? Even though this this day and the month of June are, are special dates, uh, for 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 the LGBTQIA plus community, 
you are not forced to come out on this day. This day is to empower you and and to let you know that you're not alone in the process of coming out and to let you know that it's okay for you to be fearless and be yourself. Uh, Dani, if you don't mind asking us, how do you identify us and what, what was your coming out story and uh, do you think it was positive or negative? Can you like describe um, describe us that? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I identify as a lesbian. Um, so my coming out story, <laughs> so um, I grew up really religious. Uh, my family is really religious, Catholic. We would always be in church Saturdays, Sundays. Um, so coming out was a little problematic for me. Uh, I confided in a couple of friends in eighth grade. And that didn't go so well. Um, they didn't end up being my friends anymore. Then they told a bunch of people and it just got like kind of crazy. So then um, I never spoke of it again to anybody <laughs> and just kind of ignored it. Um, and then uh, MySpace was around. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It kind of tells a lot about my age. <laughs> um, so it was like a social media website and I had you know, decorated it in rainbows. And it was a place where I can like, I felt like I could be myself without letting the world know. But one of my cousins ended up coming across my page. And um, when I was in ninth grade, they showed my mom. And I just remember getting picked up from school and being yelled at, um, threatened, and finally kicked out of my house at 14. Um, so it, it wasn't a very positive experience, uh, in that sense, but despite all of that, um, it was the most freeing and myself that I had like ever felt. So even though I didn't know where I was going to be living or if I was going to, you know, survive, I just felt like it was finally just great for me to live my life the way I felt. I should, in my truth. Wow. I wasn't ready for this story. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, like I've interviewed uh, some other people about this same topic and um, all stories are different and every single story has has its own impact, right? And I, as the one who's like asking the questions, I try to like prepare myself. Uh, emotionally <laughs> yeah uh, but I wasn't expecting this like what um, do you mind asking like what helped you figure things out after like you were kicked out of your house um I just wanted I just kept like keeping in the back of my mind that like there was more out for me somewhere and uh, that yeah. I was able to get on my feet and, you know, move on and go to college, like I would be able to just feel a lot better and I would feel more comfortable. And it didn't matter at that point what I lost because I felt like I gained so much more. Like, I, yeah, I lost my family and stuff, but I gained myself. Wow, that's, that's very powerful. Um, I think for some other people that they might have they might have experienced the same, um, but 
they didn't or they might have not gotten to have the same opportunity as you did, which was um, loving yourself and finding yourself and finally being yourself at a point where you just didn't care what other people say. Um, like not careful, like not letting what people say affect you in a way where you will, will stop being yourself. I don't know if that, if that makes sense, but um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. Okay. Uh, I think I already answered this question, um, which is when you realize or like come to terms with your sexual or gender identity. And I think that was, correct me if I broke, that was when you were like nine years old. Yeah, right? that's when okay. I started realizing. <laughs> wow, and like what helped you? coming out until like 12, 13. And how do, do you mind asking like what helped you or like how do you start realizing what your um, identity was or like what your gender or like how do you, how do you identify as? Um, I, I started realizing um, because I would just uh, like you know how like growing up like there's always like the cutest girl or boy in class and like either all the girls want that boy or all yeah. the want that girl and I felt yeah. like all of my friends who were girls were like oh yeah this boy is cute and I would just be like yeah he is but then not feel any like butterflies or like oh my yeah. is cute it was just like no like he's a good looking you know boy or whatever but like yeah it came to like my friends and stuff I felt giddy butterflies like I don't know like certain certain yeah. I felt that way for so it was really confusing because like the only thing I knew about being gay was that it was bad and and you know you would go to hell for it you know I didn't really yeah. a concept of being gay or whatever I just kind of really yeah. like like my body and my mind and everything just reacted differently to, to different genders and unfortunately for my mom <laughs> it didn't react to boys so I'm just going to pass it to Bao what do you think this my coming out story so like I said in 2019 on National Coming Out Day, I had um, I had made a post, yes, 2019, I had made a post to make it public um, on my social media platforms, uh, and that just felt very liberating and amazing, um, but before that, of course, I had to have come out to, like, someone in person or my family, <laughs> um, so I think it was, like, a few weeks before then, I had come out to uh, my mom and my sisters, um, they were literally, we were just sitting at the dinner table. We were having dinner one night and we were all there. And it was a moment that my father wasn't there because quite frankly, I was scared as hell coming out to him. <laughs> um, but it was at a moment at that night, it was just my mom and my sisters um, because it was me and five other girls. Um, so those are my parents' six kids. Uh, so when it was just us and I felt comfortable, I decided to just kind of rip off the Band-Aid and just straight up say, um, okay, guys, I'm gay. And literally right when I said that, there was just like a flood of emotions that followed. Um, and I don't know why, where that came from, but although it's just mainly because it just felt so good to say that out loud and to say that in the front of my mom and my sisters, who are um, my biggest support system. And I know that 
that I felt very comfortable and confident in telling them that I knew that I wasn't going to get any like backlash or I wasn't going to have any them feeling kind of like indifferent towards me um, because I just knew that's not the way they were. That's a different story for my father. I was a little scared on that conversation, but um, I was thankfully just, I, I felt so loved and I, it, like I said, again, it felt liberating and it was probably one of the best feelings in my life. Um, so after I told them, they're like comforting me. They were saying, oh, it's okay. Don't cry. We kind of on you. I mean, I, as a little kid, I would run around and steal my mom's heels and run around the house. So if that did not tell you I was going to be um, gay as I grew up or at some point I was going to realize that, I don't know what would. Um, but yeah, that was my, the first people that I came out to. And that before, like maybe a week after that, I had told like one of my good friends, my best friend. Um, and then I, it became public and it posted everywhere. Um, and I got a great amount of like feedback from people commenting, congratulating me. I did lose a, a few friends. I will be quite honest on that, which is fine. I mean, Hey, it's their loss. Um, that just goes to show they truly were never really true friends from the beginning and weren't supportive. So and that's fine. I mean, to each their own, um, I don't know what their reasonings may be, whether it's some underlying hidden homophobia that they just haven't addressed and they didn't realize until they found out, oh my gosh, one of my friends is gay. That's not acceptable to me. So whatever their reasonings may be, I understood. Um, and uh, actually one of them had reached out to me and I told him that's totally fine. It's okay. Um, I'm. It's not like... If I lose you, I'm not going to have any friends at all. Um, there's many more other people that I have in my circle that I'm okay with, uh, that I, I know that can support me. So we um, had parted ways from there and we haven't spoken since, but um, I did lose a few friends and I'm sure many of us can share that commonality of when we did come out. There's no way that all our friends were open arms and accepted. Same way with our families. Not everyone was going to be... Um, rainbows and flowers about it and just as happy as we were but there are some that kind of take it differently but yeah I was um 23 so that's the age I came out a lot later uh than Basilio but that's when I had come out to my family and then the entire public um, through social media but when did I start realizing I similar to Basilio and many and I would say similar to very many of us um that identify that do now identify as uh, a gay man is that, and I'm not saying all, but there are, I'm sure there's a good amount of us that may have, um, when at some certain point we were curious, we were scared of the idea. We only decided to identify or claim and use the label of bisexual. Um, and then through kind of self-discovery and kind of just getting to know yourself more, and coming to realizations with that and just kind of be like dropping that and then saying, oh no, we're completely gay. Um, I mean, at that point, I think what I fully had realized and I was like, okay, I like men and men only um, was probably in high school. I know for sure, like I was curious of the idea in middle school. I don't think it was ever something that came up when I was younger before that, or even in elementary. Um, due to the fact maybe I just didn't understand the concept of it. I wasn't even like aware or nor did I really um, have it on my radar, but it wasn't until like middle school when I was like, okay, I start to realize the attraction towards men, although I was still attracted to women. So 
Um, and then it was like in high school where it came to like full realization of, oh no, I'm only attracted um, to men, not women. And then mind you, I didn't like fully come out until 23. So we are in high school from ages like 14 to 18. Um, so those four years, I was not, I wasn't even out at all. And then like five years after that, out of high school, um, I wasn't out. Um, but I did, when I graduated from high school, I was able to leave the town that I was going to high school at. So I felt more comfortable of kind of like being myself, even though not necessarily putting a label out there and saying, yes, I'm gay. Um, so when I had graduated high school, I certainly did have friends um, within the gay community. I had fellow friends that were gay um, that I had met through other friends. So I, even though I didn't come out until um, 23, I was certainly well aware of my sexuality and I already had had a community of my own that I had hung out with and had ran to if I had questions or if I needed something, um, they kind of like were there to help guide me through this journey and help me clarify things. Um, so when it came to when I was 23 and I was just ready, that's when I decided to um, discuss and have that conversation with my family. So, yeah. I mean, it, like I said, it felt liberating. It was amazing. Um, I don't know. It was unlike anything I had felt before, ever in my life before. Uh, it felt so good to kind of just be yourself and be able to not like have to put up this facade and like kind of hide behind a screen. Um, so it was certainly very vulnerable and a very scary thing to do. And I wasn't certain of how to go about it. Um, I just knew that I had to post something and I had to put it out there. Um, well, not had to, but I felt like it was, it was a good thing um, if I had mustered up the courage to post something about it, because then I knew that someone from a very similar background to mine um, can feel comfortable and come to senses of who they are with their sexuality. Um, so I certainly didn't post it um, for like attention or to kind of get, um, all this hype around it, but I, my main goal of why I wanted to post something on that day was yes, one, to kind of let the public know my story. And then most importantly, um, the second point was to um, at least be it something that someone else can refer to or look at or something they may come across randomly and um, gain the confidence to eventually um, come out when they're ready. So, um, because like in my culture and like many communities and other, um, people of color, uh, and the cultures they come from, we have very like conservative values. Um, so it was certainly something scarier to come to terms with, but when I did and, um, I was accepted with open arms from my family, it felt great. Um, so I kind of wanted to encourage other people to find it in, in themselves the strength to um, come out when they're ready. Um, and my story could just be something that can help them along that journey. So that was the main reason of why I posted it. Um, and I think, let me see. And when I posted, I'm a 
big Whitney Houston fan. Um, I, she's one of like my favorite singers. And when I made my post, the, I was like writing the caption. I was thinking of what I was going to do for my caption. And I started my caption um, with a, a, um, a line from one of her famous songs. Um, and the line is from uh, The Greatest Love of All. And the line from the song says, I found the greatest love of all inside of me. Um, so I use that quote to start my um, caption of my coming out post. And then I kind of like went into how um, I was able to finally come to senses and find the greatest love. And that greatest love comes from inside and loving yourself wholly and coming to terms and accepting who you are and just not giving F about what else everyone else thinks and what society thinks um, and just kind of being your true authentic self. And before I heard you say the word freeing after you came out to your family and friends, uh, but um, how else do you feel after like coming out and um, yeah. Um, let's see. I felt, I felt like, Like I can finally live, you know, for a while. Um, it really, I battled a lot with myself uh, internally about like my sexuality because like I, you know, said the whole religious thing like kept getting in the way and it was in the back of my mind because that's how I grew up. And um, a part of me would always be like, oh, you know, like I would tell myself like I'm disgusting, like I'm gonna go to hell, like I don't deserve to live. And I felt like that for so long that it felt like so long that once I finally was out, it was like, okay, like I can start trying to live. I can start um, trying to be me. I can I can dress the way I want, you know? Like I, I hated wearing dresses <laughs> growing up. And like um, when I was coming out, it was like at the time where all my friends were starting to have quinces and, it was just so problematic because I wanted to be a chambelan, which is like, you know, the, the one that dressed up in the suit and stuff. And none of my friends' parents would let me. So I like had to be in dresses and it was just another, like coming out was just like another way of me um, feeling whole. Yeah. It was a way for me to regain my like confidence in, in the way I wanted to look and the way I wanted to, to be and the way I seen myself, you know? Wow. Wow, yeah. So I never like, got to be a chambelan. Oh, I was going to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but like, um, when you turn 15, like, do you end up like having a quinceañera your, your own way or? No, no? I, I grew up in a um, you know, poor house, single mom. So I didn't yeah. have, like those privileges. Um, I didn't, I don't even think I had a 15th birthday party. Because I had just came, well, my mom had just found out I was gay right before that. So, yeah, I was kind of shunned from the family for a while. <laughs> oh, okay. But do you end up, like, celebrating your 15th? Um, I think I went out with my friends. Um, I dealt with my my issues um, by abusing substances and stuff at a very young age and it's yeah. not to be proud of but it, it is something that um felt good at the time and shouldn't have <laughs> yeah um yeah talking about it like what was something that helped you is your your 
you coming out and like were there any resources um if so like would you like give any advice to like the ones that are trying to come out so they can like know what could help them to ease their process of coming out um at the time there wasn't really any resources i'm, I'm from stockton um so and i came out let me see in 2004 or 2005 so back then like growing up in a smaller town it was just very um I was four by then <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't as like open and, and there weren't as many resources as there is now um so what really helped me was um I was in band <laughs> I was in marching band and uh my teachers um I think they realized that I was struggling with um, my sexuality and, and trying to be myself. And I had um, one teacher who's still like one of my best friends to this day. Um, her name is Kristen Florick. She, um, she really helped me, uh, just showed me that like I, I was normal. You know, she treated me like the most normal. Um, her and Art Coleman, they, they both treated me like there was nothing different for me to the next person and they really helped me embrace who I was um they allowed me to wear like suits to our like concerts and stuff and so yeah they really they're the ones who really helped me with my um I guess transition into being out and proud (laughs) yeah oh and my recommendation for people would just be finding someone or you know an ally or, or something there there's so many resources out here um at least in San Mateo there's a San Mateo Pride Center here at CSM there's MCCDC um I actually helped create the LGBT club here on campus is a, a safe zone alliance so um there's all these resources now that are so great and I would say definitely go to them you don't have to come out to them um just find community and it'll you'll come out whenever you're ready <laughs> oh I love that yeah I think one of the best things um you can do as, as an individual who is who's like trying to be themselves and find uh their identity is just to find the community that they think will make them feel safe and I know I've been repeating the same word but I, for me like it is an important word and it has such a meaning um for, for everything but yeah like finding a community that will create the environment that they're looking for and uh that will give them the resources like yeah like here at CSM we have like so many resources for for our LGBTQI class community and um and we just always sort of like love and and have everyone um feel inclusive like we always try to be inclusive with everything right and um include everyone with everything that we do so, like, if you ever want to, like, find community, go to go to CISA, Safe Zone Alliance, which is a club at CSM, or go to the MCCDC. Um, and, yeah, like, I don't know what, what other resources we have on campus, uh, but if you hear about them, just go and get to know people, make new friends, find, um, find the family that you're looking for, right? Because I feel like community is about that. Community is about family. Um, because it's not about the people you share the same blood type with, right? It's about the people who you know will be there for you and the people that you trust to. Um, let's see. I always 
well, before that, I always had followed, um, what was it? I was always, um, yeah. what was it called again? Um, oh, okay. Um, there was an organization that I had always followed their work. Um, like from the time when I came out to my parents or not my parents, my mom and my sisters and then my family and then eventually my father and the rest of my family. But before I had like mustered up the courage to post anything publicly, I, I had always followed um, the organization that's called the Human Rights Campaign, HRC. Um, and they always have these nice galas that are held whether in New York and San Francisco, all throughout the country. Um, but they do a lot of work in advocating um, for LGBTQIA equality and, and rights. Um, I had knew of them before, um, like when I was in high school, I remember we had to like do research on that organization for one of my classes. And um, so I was aware of the organization before I didn't really follow them aside from that one time in high school. Um, but when I was kind of coming to um, a realization and kind of, going through my journey of um, self-acceptance and getting kind of getting to know truly who I was and um, if I identified as gay or something else on the spectrum, because um, I certainly knew I wasn't going to identify as a cisgender straight man. That was out of the question. <laughs> um, but following their work and the advocacy that they did um, certainly helped me. And I had made um, a few friends through the organization after I had came out. So um, they're an awesome organization. I encourage everyone to check out the work that they do. Um, and especially um, people that may be struggling or kind of have a fear of um, coming out and kind of feeling like they may not have anywhere to turn to if they're kicked out or they're shunned from their family. Um, HRC is a great resource to kind of guide you and, uh, and connect you to other resources, whether that's um, for like housing or help you um, find um, or help you with financial stability and kind of help um, people get back on their feet as you're trying to navigate through this world, especially if you're kind of just thrown out to the streets and kind of just kicked out and you just have nothing. So, I mean, I'm fortunate enough to not be in a situation like that. Um, and I'm very thankful that I have such a, a loving and an accepting and open-minded family. Um, but I do encourage everyone to, even if you you yourself aren't someone in the LGBTQIA um, community or, um, or you are, but I think it's important that we um, still are aware of these resources, just so when we run into other people that we may know that are in these situations, and we may not necessarily be able to take them in to stay with us, but at least we know where to point them um, because it's, there's the homelessness of, um, or the percentage of the homeless popular, uh, population that is part of the LGBTQI um, community. I don't know specifically the number, but I know it, it, it's pretty big, especially when it comes to um, our transgender um, brothers and sisters. So. Um, that would probably be the main resource that I'd want to just share with everyone. 
Uh, and once again, that is the Human Rights Campaign or HRC for short. Um, and you can find them, what is their site again? Well, yeah, their site is just hrc.com. Yeah. And they have consulting and all different things that they can help. Oh, wait, is it? No, it should be .org. Why did I say? Yes, hrc.org. Don't go to .com. .com is some consulting thing. <laughs> That'll be the wrong one. But hrc.org is the human rights campaign site that will show you everything that they're doing and then just a bunch of resources. But yeah. Uh, Danny, like you, as, as someone who's there for students and to work on, or someone who works on our campus and um, who's always trying to support our students, um, do you feel welcome and accepted within our own community at CSM? You, you can be honest or you can like, uh, you can avoid that question if you want. Oh, I'm gonna be totally <laughs> honest. Um, so as a student, um, I didn't. There were a lot of uh, issues here on campus um, with other students, specifically the athletic department, um, where I would be in classes. And if like anything that had to do with the LGBT community came up as you know part of the curriculum, there would be like just ugly words said, um, things, inappropriate things done and there were times where I have felt uh, really hated um, openly and things have happened in front of professors and, you know, then the professor would come to me like, I'm sorry, I can't say anything. Uh, I, I fear for my job because I'm part of the community too, you know, and that would be like, okay, well, if you don't feel like you have power and you're part of my community, and what does that say? Yeah. Like, what does that tell yeah. That my, I'm literally like powerless here. Yeah. You know, when you're witnessing like these like hate crimes. Yeah. <laughs> and it was at that point where I had talked to Jackie from MCCDC and. I love to Jackie. <laughs> I love Jackie. She just like kind of like was like, okay, what are we going to do about this? Or, you know, what want to do? And I was just like, I need community, you know, like I'm here far away from home. Um, I don't know anybody who's really like me or whatever or out like and okay with themselves like that um so that's how safe zone alliance started coming about um she introduced me to gil and gil perez and um michael uh i forget his last name but he's a counselor um so they became the advisors for CISA and i was a president and uh the first semester before we even got to roll out and be an official club, we had already had over 80 members signed up. Oh, wow. Yeah. How did so that, I, make, how did, sorry, how did that, uh, how did knowing that more than how, how many, 80 people? Yeah. Oh, wow. It was um, amazing. Like, wow. it, I figured maybe 15, 20, like, okay, it'd be cool. But when like 80 people signed up and was like wanting to know and be part of it, I was like, whoa, hold on. Like, come out, come out wherever you are, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, I didn't know about this. Yeah. And, oh, I'm um, impressed. That, along with a safe zone committee that I believe Jackie and Evan, um, I don't know if they created it, but they're a big part of it. Um, I think once the club and the committee started rolling out, 
I don't know if it was just knowing that I had community that made me feel more safe or the fact that like other people knew that there was more of us here that made it more safe. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Um, but now like working here, I, I do feel like I have a big sense of community here. There's a lot um, more of us who are out and, and proud um, who have, you know, positions of power and it, it feels great. I mean, when I was a student, it felt great to see, you know, people with these positions, like being out and proud. Like it gave me a sense of like, okay, like I can do this. I can be here. I can, um, this can be a job for me, you know, and look at me now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know? So like, I, I feel like I definitely um, manifested it in a way, but um, it's just such a, a blessing to, to really be here on this campus uh, with all these great people and resources and finally feeling um, like I belong. I love that um, since, because of, because of your experience as a student of not having enough power to advocate for yourself at the moment, um, you like started manifesting that power and started working for it, right? And now you are, you, you are part of our team at CSM and you work at CSM, and now you have that power that you wish you would have had that, you know, by then. Um, and I'm like really happy and, and proud, right, that you're not only advocating and advocating for yourself, but now you you are empowering other students and, and letting students know that you are there for them and that you can uh, and have the power to advocate for them if anything happens, right? Um, and, and I'm really proud of that. Trust me, I think I love seeing people um, growing in, in, in that sense of community and, and confidence that they just, just want to keep growing and empowering not only themselves, but other people as well, right? And grow with other people through the problems and the issues that made them find a reason to, to just get out of that, of their comfort zone and, and find a way to, to trust themselves to be themselves, I don't know if that makes sense. Makes perfect yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Um, and I know you like talk about like your experience as a student and how like certain issues happen, right? When it comes to like hate crime, um, and and I will yeah. So how can the CSM community make the LGBTQI plus folks feel more safe and valid and um, what would you recommend to the professors that, as the one that, that you had to deal with um, then, right, that, that used to think that he didn't, or they didn't have the power to advocate for, for, for you as a student. Um, yeah, what advice and, and how can um, work community at CSM make um, or LGBTQIA plus folks feel safe and valid? Um, I think the work that Safe Zone Committee has been doing has been great. Um, you know, just talking to the professors and stuff like during flex days, um, you know, having students actually like come and talk during them so they know like, okay, this information just isn't coming from a colleague. It's coming from like an actual student who's experiencing these things, you know, on campus. Um, I feel like that has uh, helped change things a lot this past what, year and a half, two years. Um, 
and moving forward, I, I think just like the more we talk about it, the more we're present during events, the more we're like, you know, out there doing the work, it's just going to be more um, ex- accepted and become normal, you know? I think that's that's the goal is just to to feel like normal, like we like we belong no matter who we are, what we look like, what we believe in. Yeah, and I, and I even think this is something that we shouldn't, we should not be working to make seem normal in our community, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it is normal and it should be normal for other people, but it is something that we shouldn't be working to make normal. Um, and, and sadly, it, it has been the case <laughs> a few times, right? But I think, um, as you said, Let's just like try to keep building that sense of community and and making and empowering other folks to like make them think that they do have the power to advocate for themselves. And if they don't know how to, we are there to help them and for them to learn how to advocate for themselves, right? Um, That's why we're there. And that's why we have all these resources and people and communities so we can like help you as, as and like the folks, right, from the LGBTQI plus um, to learn how to advocate for themselves. And once they do that, they can start empowering and advocating for other people just as you did. Um, yeah. So um, with this, uh, following up with this conversation and question, like, what do you think are the more pressing issues going on in the LGBTQI plus community? Um, yeah. I think a lot of the issues right now are really um, surrounded around um, the trans community, more specifically um, the Black trans community. Um, I feel like they're uh, there needs to be more acceptance even within the community, within our own community, like. Uh, we tend to shun who we pick and choose within our own community. And I don't, I don't like that. Um, I think we all LGBTQIA plus have all like suffered enough um, and have been through enough uh, hate to, and we shouldn't be spreading it amongst ourselves and each other. Um, that's something that I, I see really big that's going on in the community. I mean, it's bad enough we have the society's issues with us, you know? I think our issues are within ourselves. Um, And once we can can get that together, then we can work on taking the society down and changing their their views on on who we are as people. Wow, that was powerful. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I, I didn't really know, like, I know of the issues that happen outside the community, right? Um, but I didn't really know there was, like, even hate inside and between the community. Um, and and for me, like, as an ally and as someone who's always trying to support some way, somehow, <laughs> um, like, I, it is kind of sad and upsetting to know that this is going on, right? Uh, because... Uh, the LGBTQI plus community, they know the kind of experiences that gay 
that they get to experience because of how much hate crime there is outside, right? And so why bring that same hate um, within the community, right? Like for me, like now I'm just hearing about it. I'm just like surprised and I don't know how to react to this, right? Uh, but I think, uh, I yeah, so how would you think you can make that situation better? And, and what do you think folks can do to to improve that communication, because I think it's mostly communication that they need to work on, and, and just to know how to respect and and share love, knowing that um, they're they're ex they're going through the not the same experience but the same process, right? Or maybe not. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. <laughs> but um, what would you say, right, to the folks that are are bringing that kind of hate uh, within the community and, and how do you think they can improve that, right? I think um, we need to remind ourselves where we came from and how much we've suffered and how we have always wanted to be treated as, um, as a human. So who are we to treat anyone else as less than? Um, I feel like knowledge is power. Uh, the more we educate ourselves um, about different communities, different cultures, different everything, the more open we are and accepting we are of people who are different from us. And I think that's where the power is right there is just um, the education, the knowledge. Um, and, you know, that sometimes lacks a lot, no, no matter which community you're from or part of. Yeah, I think I, I will, I will add, to, to that, I think something I will add is that even if you don't know the culture and if you're not not educated about their their traditions or, or anything, I think it is okay and it's more than, I don't know how to explain it, but like, no, I would say normal or like it's something that we can use in our, that we usually use in our daily basis which is just being respectful um, and just sharing respect and showing that respect to people. Um, and sometimes we don't really have to know who they are or where they come from or, or, or what their identity is. I think just showing respect is the best thing that we can do, even if you're not as educated as, as we sometimes should be, right? Um, but yeah, I think the word respect is also a key word. Um, for me. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think, I don't know, I don't know, but like, I myself, like I'm someone who, who's always like sharing a smile to people. And, and even if, if I don't know them, I'm always like trying to be kind. I think what I'm trying to say is that you can, like you as a listener can also be kind to people, no matter if you know, you know, or don't know them. Um, or if, you don't really know who they actually are. Like I think just being nice, kind, and and respectful. I think that's the best thing that we can do for anyone out there. Um, but yeah, I just want to add that that that's kind of like my opinion <laughs> on, on this that uh, that you just told me. And um, I really hope that that issue within the community gets better and um, people start sharing more love. <laughs> to each other yeah, yeah. me too um, and in a weird way it's kind of like a normal one of the most normal things you know because when you think of like just we're we're all part of different communities I'm also Latina 
So I see a lot of, you know, Latin on Latin hate, um, you know, uh, female on female hate. Like, I was going to say that, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's very, like, it's very disturbing. But, you know, when you see it within the LGBT community, it's like, okay, like, it disturbs me. But at the same time, it's also, like, one of the most normal, unfortunately normal things that yeah. you know, we automatically hate on each other. <laughs> I think it, it, yeah, as you said, it doesn't really only happens within the LGBTQI plus community. And I was going to say like what you just said, right? Uh, sometimes there's not hate, but um, dislike with mm-hmm. woman to woman or like just disrespect. Just, yeah, like this, that kind of disrespect that is so disrupting and annoying sometimes that you're like, I don't understand. Like, for example, that hate with Latinos to Latinos, right? And you're like, we come to this from the same community. Why are you like hating on me? Or like when you're, you're trying to look for support within your own community and, and your community doesn't bring you that support, you're like, we come from the same place. So yeah, we have that? more in common than not. So what's- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I, yeah, so so I agree. Like, what I'm trying to say is that I agree, and it, it happens in, in so many other communities and, and in other different groups of people, right? And I think, like, the general advice um, or, I, I, yeah, advice will be just showing respect and being kind. Um, and as I said, we don't really have to know who they are where they come from we don't really know we don't really have to know if they like us or not right um it's just like being kind to people i think that's the nicest thing that we can do <laughs> it costs um, nothing to be polite and share a smile <laughs> yeah yeah i agree wow okay this was a very uh productive conversation i think this is um don't tell the others that just kidding <laughs> i think this was you better edit that conversation. Part out. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna edit uh, yeah i'm gonna edit out but um yeah like to find out this this conversation are there like any um lgbtqia plus icons that you look up to and and why and would you recommend them to uh the folks that are still trying to find their identity or the ones who, or, or to the ones who already know what their identity is, but they're trying to find some inspiration of support. Um, yeah, do you look up to any icons out there? Um, not so much like like a celebrity or any of that, um, because like growing up, I wasn't really fully aware that there were celebrities who are out like now, you know? So, and now I, I I've learned to not look up to celebrities because they're just normal people. And when you like glamorize them, it's kind of like a letdown when you finally as a pe- as a person. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> so um, I would say like the people that I've been looking up to the most uh, would be Jackie and Gil. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I think they've helped me um, grow the most. And uh, the work that they do on campus is very uh, admirable. And um, they're really like a, a power team. Like they, they can definitely, they've definitely made a lot of change here on campus, um, really positive change. And they have um, give, helped me find community. And yeah, like, so I look up to them and their work and what they do. And I hope to be, um, 
half as great as them someday. You're already great. I was gonna say, don't say like them because you're already I'm, I'm not great. like them, but like better than them. I'm just kidding. Yeah, but I definitely uh, look up to them and their impact on, on yeah. stuff. Yeah, I love that. I I agree. I know Gil Perez and and Jackie Santiso. I I I work with the two of them, and uh, they're just amazing people. They're always trying to like find ways to give you advice in a productive way so you can like they give you advice but the kind of advice that you have to figure yourself out if it, it was an advice or not so you learn from that mistake and you grow from it um yes. yeah I also don't know if that made sense but yeah it makes sense they, they <laughs> definitely give you the tools to figure out whether you're ready for that growth or not <laughs> exactly yeah yeah definitely yeah I love that yeah I love sending love to Jackie and Gil Perez who yeah. I think they might hear this. Jackie definitely will hear this. <laughs> um, I mean, the main one that I always um, mention or that I know for sure that I was like looked up to the more I've learned about him um, is um, former um, former San Francisco Board of Supervisor member Harvey Milk. He was uh, the first ever openly gay elected official in the state of California. Um, and he was unfortunately uh, murdered, um, him along with the mayor of San Francisco at that time, George Moscone, um, back in, I think, when was this? Back in 1978. So it was uh, in the late 70s uh, when they were murdered. Um, but I've always loved um him for the work that he's that he was able to do for the short time he was there and um he was such an icon um kind of paving the way for um especially the uh the gay community um to kind of um run for these positions or fill these positions of power um especially because as i mentioned earlier I, um my intended major is political science and then um for my graduate program, I want to go to law school and I want to become a practicing lawyer. Um, but ideally, like the long, long-term goal is to become an elected official. Um, whether that's on a level of government that is local, state or federal, um, and kind of just getting involved in politics. Um, because there's so much change that we can bring about in whether the work of advocacy, um, community organizing, whether that's uh, protesting, um, signing petitions, but a lot more change can be done. Um, well, I believe a lot more change can be done from the inside. And um, my aunt always says she's um, an elected official here in the um, in Daly City on the school board. Um, but she's always told me that um, facilitating change is easier when you hold these positions of power. Um, so when we can get more of our people that look like us, whether they're person of color, uh, whether they're female or whether they are part of the LGBTQIA community, we can then begin to actually make a concerted effort in changing legislations and laws around things that will always continue to oppress us as a community. So um, that's one of the biggest reasons why I've always looked up to Harvey Milk. I've always, I've always told myself that I want to want to be an ele elected official that's openly gay as well. Um, and I think the city of San Francisco had actually honored him by 
naming the um, newly reconstructed Terminal 1 of San Francisco Airport, um, International Airport after him. So Terminal 1 at SFO here is now called the Harvey Milk Terminal. So, yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> all the things you learned. <laughs> Personally, I love to hear what we all have to say. And it's amazing to get to hear about different experiences that everyone has and, and see how we can learn from them, right? And, and just being honest and, and talking about these issues and topics at the root, <laughs> which is the name of the, of the podcast, right? It's just being honest and, and being unapologetic about everything. Um, and I really appreciate and I thank you for being unapologetic about um, sharing your experience. Thank you. I think um, we are just going to wrap this segment up. Thank you so much. I'm really happy that I finally got to meet you. As I said, it's such an honor because people have been telling me so, so many great things about you. And um, I'm really happy that I am having the opportunity of getting to know more student leaders as you and, um, you know, people who are advocating for for our community and to making sure that we're doing what's supposed to be done. <laughs> but um, Thank you again. <laughs> even considering me to come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Uh, thank you so much, Danny. Is there anything else that you'd like to say before we end um, this segment? No, I really appreciate uh, you letting me be part of this. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, I'm just going to move on to our next segment. So moving on to our polling segment, this segment is to is meant to create a safe space within our College of San Mateo CSM community. Through this segment, we want to allow students to share their thoughts, feelings, and experiences about social justice issues both on and off campus. And one of the main points of this segment is to motivate students and staff from CSM to write us letters and, and tell us their experiences regarding social justice and, soci and sociopolitical issues occurring in our community. And today for this section and for this episode, we uh, we ask you guys to, uh, uh, since we ask you guys to submit your questions and comments and um, pertaining to this month, I'm just gonna move on to our questions. And um, FYI, and for those who don't know, you can submit your questions and concerns anonymously. So we, this question is, is from um, a student who we don't know. So <laughs> it was submitted anonymously, so we're gonna respect that. But the question says, what advice would you give to those who are still struggling with their sexual identity? Uh, yeah. thing I, I would say is it takes time. Um, and it's, fine if it takes you longer than others. Um, I think it's so important that we don't compare as, as I guess um, the saying goes, um, we don't ever wanna compare um, our journey to someone else's. Um, because once we do that, that kind of, we begin to self-deprecate and we begin to be become very hard and judgmental towards ourselves and, and asking like why are why am I not um, or why don't I have the courage to come out they're they've already come out and why can't it seem like so it's a dangerous um, habit that can it's a dangerous behavior um, that can happen when you begin to compare um, your own journey to other people so I think the biggest thing is it takes time 
And whether it'll take you a week or years, um, it's important to come to terms with your sexuality when you're ready. Um, I mean, yes, it sounds cliche, but that is certainly the main and I think the only answer that should um, should be given in a question like this, because we can't really necessarily say, well, do this and this and it'll be easier because it's different for everyone. Um, and everyone navigates that journey of kind of self-discovery and self-understanding more different than um, than someone else might would, might um, might navigate it. So I think it's so crucial that once again, one, don't compare ourselves or our own journey to someone else's. We are all different. We are all in different stages of our lives and we all go at a different pace. And then it's secondly, just as important that um, the timing um, is all up to yourself. I think um, coming to terms with that and um, finding the courage to uh, come to terms with your sexuality and whether you decide to make a grand announcement about it or not, I think it's it, um, it all comes up to you. And I think um, when the time is right, y- y- I think a light will go off. Because right? I know for myself, I mean, like I mentioned in um, the podcast, the segment before this, that I fully realized that I um, came to terms with my sexuality in high school. And I just didn't feel comfortable with coming out or didn't have the courage of coming out until I was 23 years old. So um, it certainly takes time and it's different for everyone but yeah oh I love that I think um if I would have been the one answering this question I I wouldn't be able to like answer it as as well as you did um and I think for me like I think I I agree and I just gotta say that um you it's okay for you to take your own time to find out and first off find out who you are and second off to decide who you want to come out to and when you want to do it um because nobody's forcing you to come out in a certain day and um even though some people might might judge you in the process and some people might leave um and might, might just leave your life in the process that's when you're going to find out who are the real ones who really love you and who are um, the people who accept you for who you are. And it's okay for you to sometimes be um, just, just, it's okay to don't know sometimes. <laughs> like if you don't know, it's okay. Um, and, and you're just going to figure it out someday, somehow, someday you're going to figure it out. And um, it's, everything's going to, you know, uh come to its place but that's gonna happen when it has when it has to happen and as I always say things don't really happen when we want them to happen things happen when life and God decides um (laughs) for us to happen right like sometimes we we are like actually expecting something to come as we want it to come or as we planned but then things turn out differently so um that says that it's okay for you to not know and it's okay for you to take your own time. And it's okay for you to just tell one person or tell everyone. Or if you don't want to share it with everyone, it's okay. Um, it's your own life, your own decisions. And I totally agree with you, Bo. Thank you so much for helping me answering that question. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think I'm just going to wrap this segment up. 
Uh, remember to submit your questions, letters, and stories later on. I'm going to be reading them. And uh, remember that you can do that anonymously. Nobody will know who you are if you submit any uh, concerns or any feedback in regards of the podcast. So I think I'm, gonna, I'm just going to uh, read your question soon. Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. This is a special and amazing quote from my favorite Harriet Tubman. This was our first of many more episodes that have been planned for the whole semester for you. We hope to keep bringing you the knowledge and crucial information. So please reach out to the MCCDC if you need resources or need any kind of help with anything, because we are here to listen and guide you in whatever ways we can. Don't forget to submit your stories for our polling folks out there. Don't forget to submit your stories, questions, concerns, and feedback to our segment, The Poland, which you can find by clicking the link on our Instagram bio. We will also be dividing our segments up and posting those on YouTube so they are more accessible to you all. Feel free to go and check out our YouTube and our Instagram at the root underscore CSM MCCC. And I think we have changed our Instagram. Um, at let me see yes now it's at the root underscore mccdc so uh to be clear everyone out there feel free to go and visit and check our instagram out at the root underscore mccdc thank you all so much for listening uh, and for taking the time of celebrating with us and, and, and listening to those amazing stories and experiences from the amazing folks who were interviewed today. Stay tuned for some great content. And I hope to see you and I hope you listen to me on our second episode pretty soon. As this podcast is made by students, we are giving credit to Lucia de Trinidad for assistance on the script. Guillermo Garcia for assistance on social media management and editing, and Andrea Morales for project management. Thank you all so much for your help and support. Uh, I want to give a huge shout out to our student volunteers out there. This was At The Root, and I hope you enjoyed. See you until the next one. Bye.